We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is Chris Jones going to best Aaron Donald on one of the biggest stages of the offseason? We'll talk about that and the Jacksonville Jaguars on this week's edition of the KC Laboratory. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. An Emprise Bank debit card is good anywhere. You have access to 55,000. You heard me right. 55,000 fee-free ATMs worldwide through the AllPoint ATM network. You can get the same kind of access to your money as any bank across the country while getting the value of working with a trusted partner in Emprise. Emprise is a partner in Possible for KCSN. They are one of our day one sponsors. We love them. Emprise Bank member FDIC. We appreciate them so much, just like I appreciate my buddy with me today to break down two more teams in our off-season series here leading up. We almost got training camp around the corner. Ooh. A couple more teams today. You can find them on Twitter at Matty underscore KCSN. Matthew, my friend, how are you doing today? Listen, I, I'm doing well, but we gotta we got to get right to it. 13 Jaguars or 37 Rams? Who See, wins, Greg? This is this is tough. Um, uh, before the show, Matt, Maddie had some different numbers on that, and I and I favored the Rams in that scenario. I think it's maybe Jaguars in this scenario. Jaguars, I've I've seen Jaguars take out like crocodiles, Cayman crocodiles, pull them out of the river, and you know just like go to town on them. I think that they could take out Rams a lot easier than we think. Even the big old ones, you know, like these 300, 400 pounds Rams. I think they could take them out. What do you think? I mean, 
Jaguar's a stocky cat. Like, this isn't... I, Tucker was, you know, a little lost on Leopard versus Jaguar at first, right? When we were first bringing this up. And, like, it's like, nah, Tuck, you got to go check it out. Like, a Jaguar, if it was a football player, like, it's definitely a Mike linebacker. This thing is well-built. Mm-hmm. It's coming down hard. You throw some trees out there, let that Jaguar get vertical a little bit, playing on two planes. I don't think the Rams have a chance. We're talking each Jaguar has to take out only three Rams. Only three for each Jaguar. I think it's doable. I did drop the number down to 37 Rams because it it got a little overwhelming. But like I think this is an easy win for the Jaguars, if I'm being honest. Watch a lot of a lot of animal documentaries. I think a Jaguar is gonna withstand this initial surge from 37 Rams and be able to take him out. I think a Jaguar is like a, a power slot on offense, like one of those insanely good blocking wide yeah. receivers that is just going to also take the ball the distance, you know, like, like a David Boston. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, buddy. All right. As I mentioned at the top of the show, um, we are breaking down two more opponents as we do in the offseason, going through every single opponent that the Chiefs have on the 2022-2023 schedule. And we are now up to week 10 here, a noon or noon central game. Uh, this is November 13th against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maddie, how do you feel about the quality of the roster of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, it's better than it was <laughs> with Urban Meyer at the helm. Um, but I still don't love it. It's still it's definitely still a bottom five roster in the NFL. It's just definitely not last, if that makes sense. Like they're somewhere <laughs> in that second, third, fourth, fifth worst roster range. I think the kind of the issue starts with the offensive line with guys like Ben Barch, Tyler Shatley, Brandon Scherf is good, and then Jawan Taylor, like that hole from left guard out to right tackle. Pretty unknown, pretty up and down play. You can even throw Cam Robinson in there. I, I don't love the offensive line. Then you kick it over to the, their wide receiver additions, which are just weird. They have 88 slot type receivers plus Evan <laughs> also playing in the slot. It's a weird built team, a weirdly built team that doesn't have a ton of top end talent on the defensive side. Either like they have some good players, don't get me wrong, with Josh Allen, Shaquille Griffin, but. I don't know if I see enough playmakers and enough quality starters on either side of the ball. Like this is one of the worst rosters the Chiefs are going to see all season long. Now, they play a hard schedule. That's not saying a ton, but like I just don't see a single position group for this team where I think they're going to overwhelm more than a couple other NFL teams based on that one positional group. Yeah, I'd, I'd mostly agree with that. And see, I, I've been gone a couple of weeks for these for these team previews. And the last that I left is very, in the very early going when the Chiefs were in their murderer's row. Like every team it was just, you know, one after another. This is definitely not that. I see a lot of guys on this roster that I like, but don't love. You know, like I would be happy with the Chiefs having them as rotational pieces. Like, you know, I, they're... There's a bunch of guys, you know, Foisad Olocon. I, I like Josh Allen. Josh Allen is better than a rotational piece, certainly. You know, you've got guys like Shaquille Griffin. That's a good player. Tyson Campbell, who I'm a fan of, you know, and tier one Seabat type of guy. There's a lot of guys like that that I like, but don't love. And so it's kind of a weirdly built roster where they don't have a ton of top end talent. I think they've got a bunch of young guys. I can see this group maybe playing a little bit better than it looks on paper. Certainly. I can see them maybe coming together a little bit more, especially under this new coaching staff, which we'll get to here in just a second. But 
I do think that they're going to just be overwhelmed by some people. Like Maddie said, I, I think that you're going to have some sometimes where you're just going to look at it and you're going to look at the matchup and you're just like, man, that just clearly favors the other team. Like it may not be as big inside the actual game, but just the amount of talent on paper, which you understand with the way that everything was built over the last couple of years in Jacksonville, the, the ownership, the leadership, everything that they've done there, they've had a lot of turnover. They've had a lot of overhaul and they've had a lot of high draft picks that currently haven't panned out yet we'll get into some of those guys here in a second but before we do that i want to talk a little bit about the quality of the staff doug peterson joins this team you got press taylor as the offensive coordinator and then you got mike caldwell as a defensive coordinator i actually like this coaching staff quite a bit i i'm admittedly a big doug peterson fan i i think that he got a real bad rap in philadelphia i liked what he brought to the team in kansas city i like what he was able to do with the talent level there of the roster in philadelphia and guided them to a super bowl win so i'm not promising a super bowl win for the jacksonville jaguars but i do think that he's going to get these guys certainly more locked in and ready to play at an nfl level than the previous coach that they had last year. You know, it's it's going to be a very stark difference between him and Urban Meyer. I think you're going to see this. I think you're going to see this group maybe go through some growing pains with this coach, especially some of those younger guys from last year. But I do think that by the end of the year, they're going to be a well-coached group. And I think they're going to all be on the same page. They're all going to be pointing the same direction. It may be one of those groups in 2023 2024 that we start talking about being a a you know really rising up and coming dangerous team i think that doug is the kind of coach that you got to give just a little bit of time because he's going to do things his way and i do believe that it's mostly the right way the way that he does things i love the doug peterson hire i think i think he got a little bit of the short straw when he was out there in philly with what he was able to do with some of the unluckiness of that team that with injuries and the positions they put themselves in he's not a perfect coach but i really do like him i like that they got somebody he's familiar with press taylor who i think is a rising name to keep an eye on but he's also kind of been in the same general system for a long time. You know, he's with Frank Reich, John Filippo. Like he's kind of been behind those guys. So a lot of familiarity with Doug Peterson there, a rising name, but a guy that I don't know if he's ready to entirely branch out on his own and take over and make his own offense come to life. So getting to get in this offensive coordinator role under Peterson, I think is a great spot for him. Now, will that lead or stagnate a little bit of like development in terms of innovation? Maybe like you have two guys that are clearly going to approach things the same way. I'd be interested to see how that goes, but like, I think they'll get along really well. I think they'll make a good offense. Like I don't think I question Doug Peterson's ability to design or come up with an offense. So like there's, you know, I'm maybe nitpicking there. Mike Caldwell is interesting. I'm going to be interested to see how it goes. He's got a lot of linebackers to work with. That's where he's mm -hmm. made his, He's made Devin White look good at times. So, I mean, like, that's a, that's a task. <laughs> he, he, took, he took Levante David even that extra notch up. Like, Levante David was ridiculously good, and he made him just absolutely sure. elite. It, so, yeah. It only took him a year to realize that Devin White can't do anything but blitz or, like, chase the football. So, like, that's better than anybody else I've seen. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, that guy can only chase a football and then talk smack. Um, So, yeah, it, I'm interested to see where Mike Caldwell goes. I don't know a lot of what it's going to look like. Is he going to run a similar defense that they did in Tampa? Is it going to go back to what he was part of with the Jets? Like, what is it going to look like for him? I don't know entirely, so I'm excited to see it. Like, I generally like the coaching staff 
the issue they're going to come up with has nothing to do with the coaching staff. Who's calling the shots for this team? Is it Doug Peterson mm-hmm. or is it somebody else? Is it yeah. somebody else up above him? Because I don't think Doug Peterson's the kind of guy that's going to lay down. And if it's not him, if it's not up to him or it's not like a collaboration effort, there's going to be some tension and players are going to feel that kind of stuff. And he said, Doug's not going to back down. He would rather, I think he would rather get fired than just you be put in a corner and told to do just coaching. I would 1000% agree <laughs> with that. I, I will say this. There is one familiar name. That's not Doug Peterson on this staff that we did not mention at all. Mm. Senior defensive assistant, Robert Bob Sutton is also He's on this thing, still kicking around. Doug Peterson brings him in to do all that. So I'm curious to see if we see some of Sutton principles along with, you know, Mike Caldwell. See, see if he, that's right. They built out. I forgot too. like, you made me want to go look up the rest of their staff. Cause I forgot to mention they built out quite the offensive rooms. I forgot. They also got Jim Bob Cooter coming back in, you know, after that real hot start for him there for a while with Detroit. And then they also brought in Mike McCoy to be a quarterback's Mm -hmm. coach. Like they got a lot of guys on the offensive side to kind of help Trevor Lawrence. And as long as those guys don't have much infighting, like that's a, that's a great room to be teaching a relatively young offense, just full of slot receivers. Yeah, it really is. Maybe, hey, maybe they're slot only. We talked a lot about slot receivers and guys blocking out of the slot for Kansas City this offseason. And maybe Jacksonville is just True. going galaxy brain on it. We'll see. Um, Maddie, who is the new addition that you are most excited for for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year? I would love to talk about one of these receivers that I keep referencing, but actually I'm cheating. I'm taking a whole position group. I'm doing the Maddie thing here. Just the linebacker group, I think in general though, because Trevon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and Chad Mumba have all Mm -hmm. been drafted in the first three rounds of this upcoming draft. And okay, like that doesn't make, it's a three, four team. You assume Trevon Walker's an edge player. Devin Lloyd's going to play in the middle. And you also get Chad Mumba to play in the middle. Wait, we already mentioned him. Foisei Olukan, just got paid a ton of money to also be a starting linebacker. So where does Chad Muma fit into all this? How are they going to fit three off-ball linebackers into a 3-4 defense? Is it going to be so a hybrid defense of a such caliber in which Devin Lloyd sees some edge reps maybe? And then you get Muma in there. I don't know how it's going to work. So like, I'm really interested to see how they you know sort out the entire off-ball linebacker room because like right now it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me either. Um, I just, I struggle a little bit. I mean, Trevon Walker is the correct pick. Like, we know he's the correct pick. And honestly, you could argue that Devin Lloyd was also the correct pick. I mean, we weren't the highest guys on him there, but at that value that they got him, sure. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. But, like, I, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious how that room's going to work out. My guy that I want to talk about is the guy that broke the wide receiver market this offseason, Christian Kirk. Um Christian Kirk was the player that the Jacksonville Jaguars added to their wide receiver room. And I say the player because they had the opportunity to add countless receivers in this class and decided not to spend a draft pick on one. You you heard me correctly on that, not to spend a single one. So they largely just added Christian Kirk and said, yeah, we're good enough. We'll we'll add some other fringe guys and we'll go from there. Christian Kirk, obviously, has had some decent years in Arizona. But this is a guy that has never had over a 1,000 yards receiving in a wide-open offense in Arizona. He's gotten tons of targets. The depth hasn't been super great. I mean, yards per reception, we're talking about 12.8. But 
I mean, he's not gotten a ton of receptions a game, four and a half a game. It, it's not like you're looking at a guy and you're going, this is a dominant presence. This is a guy that they expect to take that next step and become an elite receiver. Certainly got paid like one. So, I mean, you, you look at that guy, there's going to be a lot of weight on Christian Kirk's shoulders all season long because people are just going to refer back to that contract. We as Chiefs fans are very well aware of what that feels like. If you're not playing up for the contract, fans are going to be mad at you. Like They're going to be very vocal about it. It's going to be hard for Christian Kirk to carve out that notch, to carve out that role on this offense. Like I think they're going to spread the ball around plenty. I think Doug will find ways to get guys open. I just don't know that they're going to get to the end of this season and say, hey, you know what? All that money we pay to that guy was totally worth it unless you're just a guy, you know, an agent of chaos and you're just hoping that, you know, him ruining the wide receiver market was good for everybody. So, I, you know, we'll see. Uh, let's talk about players to watch. Matty, you lead us off with players to watch. Trevor Lawrence. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, taking, I'm taking the easy one here uh, because – I think I fall somewhere in the middle ground of the two extremes that you've seen from Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think was very good last year. And a lot of people that I respect know a lot more about football than I do, especially quarterback play have said like, nah, he's did really impressive things. And his position was really bad. Like where he was putting, I was like, I see where they're coming from, but I also saw a guy that I don't think played good quarterback, did good quarterback. He did bad quarterback things. He did good quarterback things, but he did really bad stuff. I think his accuracy was off. He looked timid. He looked scared at times. He looked overconfident. I just didn't like the way he played quarterback last year. And I understand the situation he put it was put in was bad. This year should be a significantly better situation with the coaching staff. As much as I don't love the array of weapons, it's still better than what they had last year in Jacksonville. It's like, he should have a better year. So what's it look like? Are we still trying to pin down, you know, the five to 7% of his play, of Trevor Lawrence's plays that looked like an elite QB one of a generation to call out like how good he might be? Or is it going to be a little bit more consistent and we're going to see those significant strides going in that direction? I don't know. I think this year's going to tell us a lot though. Cause I think if you're still having to cherry pick a few plays here and there to show how good he can be rather than just like sitting down watching the game in its totality and coming away saying, Oh no, that guy's got it. Then I think you might come with a little bit of a problem if you're having to do that after two years and all the changes that they've made. Yeah, no, if it doesn't improve this year, then you can bury the urban Meyer element of that. Like, and I, I am totally on board. I mean, our, our pal Nate Tice is a big Trevor Lawrence yeah. truther. He really is. And I mean, yeah, I'm, Sure, that's one of the people Maddie's referring to there, but like yeah. he's he believes that a lot of that fault lies with Urban Meyer. So, like, you should see a stark improvement when we talk about how much we really respect Doug Peterson and Mike McCoy for that matter. I mean, like, uh, those two guys should have him on the right track, certainly give him the best chance to succeed. My guy that I want to talk about is another guy that I want we want to see if he reaches the high highs that he did his rookie year in edge pass rusher, Josh Allen, uh, Josh Allen in his rookie year was a pro bowl player. He had 10 and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss and 39 pressures. And he only played about 60% of the snaps for that defense. That's a really good year. Turns around the next year. He plays almost 400 snaps, you know, misses about half the season, has two and a half sacks. His pressure numbers go way down, comes back last year, has seven and a half sacks, 
but then turns around and only has, you know, about 23 pressures. So he's converting the pressures last year, but they're coming far or far less frequently. And he played almost 150 more snaps than he did his rookie year. So you saw him be extremely dominant in that rookie year. And you saw that the real true ceiling that we all talked about when he was coming out in the draft. I want to see that again because this is year four. And if Josh Allen doesn't turn it on here, now certainly they picked up his fifth year option. It's going to be a situation where they have some roster control over Josh Allen, but he could be a guy that isn't a part of this roster and isn't a part of this plan moving forward. If he has another year, that's okay. You know, it's not a guy that you want to invest a ton of money in a fifth year option. You don't want to really plan on that guy long term if you don't see that ascension so if you got to see that ascension this year he could be the next edge in line for a massive payday you know another one of those guys that might want to lock him up next offseason so this is really kind of a pivotal year for him i'm very curious to see how he performs in this defense they certainly need a guy that sticks out and is a real true you know top one kind of guy at his position to take over games opposite of trevon walker you might see him get a little less attention in this defense. He might get back to what we saw in his rookie year. All right, Maddie. Cool. Before we move yeah. on, there's a new question that's been added since I think you've been on one of these. Oh, yes, there I, certainly is. There's there's a new question. Which non-Patrick Mahomes player could you add to the Jacksonville Jaguars roster Ooh. to make them the best team possible? Holy cow. <laughs> That's a loaded question. I didn't realize you guys were doing that. Man, I'm gone for a little while, and you guys just turn around and drop <laughs> that? Um, hell. Um, you know what? I'm going to say Joe Tooney. Uh, I'm going to say Joe Tooney. They need offensive line help. I know that I just got done railing on their wide receivers. They need offensive line help, a stable presence at left guard, they can also flex out if they needed to him to in a pinch guy that can kind of play a little bit of everywhere. They need that veteran presence and that kind of guy along that offensive line. So I'd add Joe Tooney, give Trevor Lawrence a little more time. He's certainly going to need it. I don't think one receiver changes that by just adding a single one to this group. Yeah, it's here's the issue that Kent and I have run into for the majority of this. No matter what team you come up against, you're always adding an interior offensive lineman or adding Travis Pulse, right? Like that's essentially what it's going to be. Like that's who you're adding to every single team to make them better. And I think that goes to show you where the Chiefs team is as a whole. And I think it goes to show you just kind of like how good that they've kind of been. However, I think for this one, I think they might have enough. I don't love the offensive line, so I get the Joe Tooney adding in there. I get Creed Humphrey going in there. I get it. And that's probably the smart one. Putting Chris Jones in there, though, with the Josh yeah. Allen, with the Trevon Walker, you know, mm -hmm. getting him in there, you get finally give them, I think, a dominant unit, right? I don't think adding just one interior offensive line to pair with Brandon Scherf gives them a dominant offensive line. It clearly makes them better, but you don't elevate an entire unit. I think Chris Jones kind of takes off where the weakness of this defensive line is, and you maybe provide them with a dominant portion of their team and that defensive line and that pass rush it's like i think i might lean that direction even though i also would agree the interior offensive line makes a ton of sense 
I almost went with Chris Jones because yeah, if you if you look at it like their sub package there, if you're if you're keeping Fatakasi on the field, you've got Chris Jones next to him, Josh Allen, and Trayvon Walker. That's not just a stout interior of that and some length and some real true ability to edge set and birth. Like there's the penetrative ability of three of those guys is ridiculous. It's ludicrous. So yeah, I'm, I'm with Maddie there. Like you all of a sudden make that pass rush so scary that the opposition has to throw short like all the time because you're going to have pressure in your face all the time allows you to sit on some of that stuff a little different hey you know what you know what that reminds me of that reminds me of what bob sutton coached when he was at his best and he had a stud defensive line (laughs) and he was able to just kind of collapse on everything underneath keep everything in front of him just saying chris jones that would that would be an interesting oh I, I, i actually like that a lot so all right I'll, I'll try and remember that when we get to Sorry the to curveball you. Oh, no, I can bring it back forget. up every time. I'll bring it okay, back you, up. It's just please it's with the do. I'm going to forget. All right. How does this team beat the Chiefs? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I'm going to keep this segment pretty short. I don't see a lot of paths to the Jaguars beating the Chiefs. Like it would take the Chiefs having a terrible game, everything breaking wrong, a fumble, a tipped interception, maybe one of Mahomes' worst days, which obviously any player, like all these things are possible. That can clearly happen. But even if all that stuff happens, I don't think this offense that the Jaguars have is a lock to score enough points to beat a really bad Chiefs Chiefs defense. So, like, eh, I don't see a good path. I think a lot of things would have to go the Jaguars' way. They'd have to get the Chiefs' worst game and play their best game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And especially in Week 10, like, by that point, this offense should largely be on the same page this defense should largely be on the same page so even if they have an off game like the floor will be raised by then so that's just it's a tough one it's a tough time to do that and it's an arrowhead like it's i guess it maybe if this chiefs team just completely overlooks it if they look at it and say nah then listen we don't need to worry about this but yeah I, i don't know that they've kind of insulated themselves against that with some of their additions this season so all right who is the Chiefs non-Mahomes MVP? I'm going to go first. Um, I think the Chiefs non-Mahomes MVP, um, I, I think it's going to be Legereus Sneed. Uh, I know that I picked Legereus Sneed in an earlier one here. I think this is a prime time for Legereus Sneed to really have an impact game. I think we're going to see Steve Spagnolo kind of try and throw a lot at Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence to try and confuse him, late rotations, some weird spins and things like that. And I think that this offense is going to rely on a lot of guys out of the slot. Jerry Sneed is going to be operating out of the slot, probably. We'll see. We'll find out more information on that as camp goes along this week. But I expect that Legereus Sneed is going to be manned up against the best receiver that, you know, the Jaguars are going to have, and that's probably going to be in the slot. I think the Spagnuolo is going to throw enough at him that I, I expect him to have a really big game in this one. I can see him just, you know, having a couple picks, you know, just making a really big impact or a couple PBUs, standing out above the rest of the defense in a good defensive performance. So we've talked a lot about this Jaguars offensive line and the tackles being inconsistent, the interior offensive line not being that good. So going into this matchup, it's only natural that Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs tight end, is the player to keep your eye on here. I mean, listen, 
Devin Lloyd isn't covering Travis Kelsey. Olukan isn't covering Travis Kelsey. You're going to give Andre Cisco on him? That's a walking touchdown for Travis Kelsey on that one. That guy gambles on everything. Or Rayshon Jenkins had a chance before. Didn't go so well. They don't have anybody that matches up with Kelsey in terms of size, speed, and zone, and man coverage. I don't actually see the path for them getting to slow him down instead of they're just going to throw everybody on their defense at him. And even then, I don't think it would matter because like it's going to be a lot of pressure on Devin Lloyd to be their coverage linebacker. He's a guy that's going to do a lot of it, and I just he wasn't that good at it. There's a reason Utah blitzed him every single time they could on third downs because they didn't want him to cover. And that was at Utah. Now you're going to have him go up against the best tight end ever in the game of the end of football? Nah, no chance. Travis Kelsey easily walks away with that one. And So glad. Oh, yeah. Boy. So, so glad that you led second. with the Jaguars offensive line there. That, yeah, that, that, we had to. Yeah. We talked about yeah. him a lot. Um, there is one more new segment. I had to look it up, so I can't guess this time, but you were guessing the line of the Chiefs-Jaguars game. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to say six and a half for the Chiefs. Six and a half. Okay, so when this opened, when this line first opened, I believe it was seven and a half. Okay. It has since moved. Do you want to keep your guess? Yeah. Or do you want I to do. change it? It's I 10. Do. Chiefs by 10 at home against the Jaguars. That's that we got a double digit line for a week 10 game of the Chiefs at the end of July. And most sports books have been pretty low on the Chiefs. Like, I don't think sports books yeah. have loved the Chiefs so far. Like, that's the thing that I've run into. I started off the year guessing pretty spot on, but mm-hmm. like I've been consistently overestimating what the books would think of the Chiefs the last couple ones we've done. Yeah, but and so when I saw 10 pop up, I was like, whoa, that's a that's a big line for that far that away right now. Massive line. Holy <laughs> cow. Yeah. So it is at home. So, I mean, you know, you're probably looking at like a realistically, they think the chiefs are eight points better, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew, that one. seems, that seems high for this point. I didn't know. Am I going to be shocked if the chiefs win by 10? Absolutely. Of course not. Not. They should, but <laughs> Vegas it's also, it's a game there. pigeonholed in a tough spot though. You know, you come off it a couple is. hard games, you got the chargers, a divisional game coming up right after that, which, we're not going to cover again here because we've already mm-hmm. done that during this preview. Like it's a, a little bit of a trap game, but I, I don't think like Vegas is looking that far ahead to no. set lines at this point in time. No, they're not. But we will look ahead to yet another game right after this break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back with more game previews for the Chiefs 2022-2023 season. And here's a big one. We're skipping the Los Angeles Chargers week 11. You know, we covered them earlier in this this whole thing. You can go back a couple episodes and find out about that. That one is November 20th at 325 in the afternoon Arrowhead time. Now we are going to another 325 game in Arrowhead this time. Los Angeles Rams on November 27th. This is a massive game. First of all, before I even start with this, Maddie, do you think that this week 12 game against the Los Angeles Rams is going to stay in that afternoon slot or are we getting that thing flexed to Sunday night football? Um, I flexed, I, I would Maddie it and say, I got to see the other matchups. Like, cause if there's so, if whatever's scheduled there already is good, then maybe they'll keep it. But given what happened the last time these two teams played, given the tendency of the chiefs in these kind of like high profile games to have really exciting games with other explosive offenses and same thing with the Rams. I don't see any reason this game isn't flexed at this point. It's like, I'm going to lean that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to lean that way too. So with that being said, Maddie lead us off with, how is the quality of this Los Angeles Rams, these Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams, how's the quality of the roster? So this is funny. Um, the Rams roster is definitely not one that I would put in the top four, maybe even the top five of the Chiefs opponents this year. And yet, it's still a roster built after my own heart. As, as Sean McVay has said, we want our studs, and we will fill out the roster around them with our role players, and we will make it work, and that is what they have done. This is a lot of how the Chiefs won a Super Bowl and have been contending for Super Bowls year after year. A lot of talent at the top, and I'm not saying they don't have good starters around them, but like you start to look through this offensive line's a bunch of guys, just guys. No, I mean, like I understand that you know with losing their left tackle is like Andrews is a big thing, but like this isn't a team like they have big studs and then they just have guys like how many people do you think could have named the Rams linebackers, all their different linebackers that have played over the past three seasons. There's like, there's like 800 of them and (laughs) they all play on different teams. Now. I mean, Bobby Wagner's now back with the Rams like Mm -hmm. or not back with, but like with the Rams. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's a weird roster and I love it. I love everything about how they build this roster. And I love that McVay comes out and straight up said it. And it seems like less needs on the side. We get our guys to build their function of our offense around, a guy to build our defense around, maybe an extra guy on either side, and then we're just filling in the pieces around that top down 100%. And like it has won them a Super Bowl and it won the Chiefs a Super Bowl. So, I mean, it, it paid off for certain. Like it, it, it always is funny to me the affinity that I know that you have for the way that they built this roster, considering that Les Need hates draft picks just absolutely despises them and, and that's cap kind of space real, and cap space i agree like, with him on that one though i know right i know you do but i mean like it it's kind of interesting to see that but i get it i mean this wide receiver group 
holy cow like it's really good like i i I know that there's a lot of projection there with Allen robinson coming off of clearly his worst year as a pro but you could justify and not justify justifies the wrong word you can see why maybe he didn't put in the effort (laughs) that he, he did there in chicago that was a mess now he's coming over here he gets to play with matthew stafford they're getting cam Akers back you know i I like Van Jefferson a lot. I think he's going to work really well for him. And then, of course, Cooper Cup is all-world everything at wide receiver right now. So, like, I'm a big fan of that. You look a little bit at some of their pass rushers, like Justin Hollins, Leonard Floyd. Like, they're good, and but they're they're fine yeah it's not good it's just kind of middling with those sorts of guys and it doesn't matter because you've got aaron donald that occupies two or three blockers every single time which means those guys are always going to get single blocked and like it the way that they've built it makes so much sense to me and then you look at the secondary and not a ton of guys at safety i mean obviously they had last year taylor rapp might end up playing a little bit more for him this year but they brought in Eric Weddle at the end of the year to try and help, and he started immediately and played kind of he did well. he did help too. I mean, like, yeah, he, he did. He, did he help definitely did help with but, one arm. Yeah, with one arm. But I mean, it, it's the Jalen Ramsey show out there. Like that's what they've spent their money on. They got to see that one guy and David Long over there that's projected to maybe start for him as well. So like, there, there's not like you said, it's the studs. And the rest. And those studs are such big studs that it, it's just, I, I don't know. It's one of those that you look at as like, yeah, those are those are some of the most justified contracts in the NFL because they're just so much better than everybody else. Their offense and their defense are literally two players and then nine <laughs> other guys just thrown around them that fill certain roles. I mean, that's literally what it is. And like, this is why I assume they were so okay with Robert Woods leaving, who was really, really good for them. But as really Cooper good. Cup has emerged yeah. to be obviously the guy, you don't have to have specifically Robert Woods. You just need somebody who can do some of the same stuff because this offense is clearly built around Cooper Cup and then now Matthew Stafford's ability to actually make these backside throws when they decide to isolate a receiver and run a dig route. Hence, OBJ or now Allen Robinson. It doesn't matter who it is. They just need somebody who can run these backside one-on-one routes so that Stafford can get the ball. Cooper Cup's going to get open doing his thing. On the flip side, like you said, it's a bunch of random pass rushers that are going to get a ton of one-on-one opportunities that are going to win with speed because everyone's so worried about what Aaron Donald's going to do. And in the secondary, Jalen Ramsey's over here either shadowing and taking away an entire receiver or he's taking away an entire side of the field. Oh, and guess what? When you decide to force him into being a force player versus the run, okay, he's fine with that. <laughs> yeah, Better no that their kidding. linebackers are at tackling. So like, it's just, it's literally a team built around four players and then just a bunch of other guys to fill out 49 spots. And I love it. <laughs> okay. We got to talk about the quality of the staff and I'm going to talk about the staff, Maddie. I'm going to, I'm going to go first here and I'm going to let you do your love letter to the guy that I know you're going to do your love letter to. So I'm going to start with it. Yeah, obviously Sean McVay, everybody wants a piece of everything that Sean McVay touches right now. And for good reason, like he, he is a very innovative head coach. You see him move on very quickly from things that he very clearly sees aren't working. And I think that that is an admirable, admirable quality that we don't see enough of in the NFL. I think you see a lot of 
oh, this guy's my buddy. I'm going to make sure that he's taken care of. We're going to stick through it, and we're going to ride through all of this. Sean McVay goes and gets his ass kicked in the Super Bowl by Bill Belichick and goes, you know what? Nope, that ain't happening again. We got to do this. We got to change this. We got to do this. And just everything that he does and everything that he creates tends to just work. And it's because he is so innovative, because he is so forward thinking. He's not stuck in it. Sometimes it doesn't work, but then he course corrects. He's very self-aware for that. And I think that that is a very admirable quality. So last year he adds Raheem Morris. And Raheem Morris had that group of guys that we just got done talking about that were two guys and a whole bunch of other guys until they added Von Miller. And then it was three guys and a whole bunch of other guys. But like, he got that group of guys to play as a cohesive unit better than a lot of other defensive coaches would. Now, I'm not saying that he's like the most innovative guy that's out there. He's not breaking new ground with some of the stuff that he's doing. Nobody's trying to copy the Raheem Morris defense right now, but he is just one of those really solid defensive coaches that is going to get the group of guys to play together. And when you can get, eight or nine guys to play together and just allow Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald to go God tier. That's a good strategy when you've got those two guys. So I I think that he really integrated himself well with that integrated himself well with the way that McVay is trying to do things as well. Makes perfect sense why they were able to maximize that defense so much last year. I, I love Sean McVay. I think we were getting close to the point to where he was getting into that Kyle Shanahan range where he was doing stuff really great that you just assume everyone around him is going to work. He's going to figure it out. And then you start to wonder if he's tinkering a little bit too much. Is he mm-hmm. relying too much on his system and what he does and maybe not maximizing the type of talent that he needs or the actual talent that he has? Then last year came, he changed over the quarterback position specifically because Brandon Staley was stuffing everything they did with Jared Goff. He needed, he knew he had to beat this new wave of defense. He goes and gets Stafford. They figure out how to do it. It looks great again. Everything's working really well. So we, I mean, we love McVay for making that change when it was very clear he was coming up over his first hurdle as an offensive mastermind. They lose Kevin O'Connell, who was kind of their offensive coordinator, one of the guys that was partaking in that, and they replace him with a guy. I think say I think Liam Cohen is gonna be an upgrade over what they had, and the reason is Cohen was on the staff before he helped build it to what it was initially, with essentially McVeigh running the offense through Jared Goff's arm, just like a robot, just pulling all the strings and hitting the right buttons. And he was there when they built that up, and then as it kind of dipped a little bit, and then it came back. He wasn't there, but instead he was off at the college drinks. He was at Kentucky turning the Kentucky offense into a real (laughs) SEC offense because of what he was doing. And it's hard to watch what Cohen does and not see, you know, the Sean McVay kind of touch into a lot of what he does, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more vertical concept to it. There's a lot. He spent time, not just McVay's coaching staff. So he kind of does a really good job of blending this McVay tight bunch sets with a lot of the play action, the deep over stuff, but he also knows how to spread the field and get a little bit more vertical. And you can see that through his time at college, especially at Kentucky. So I'm excited to see what that looks like here with a quarterback like a lot like Will Levis last year, Kentucky that can make all of these throws anywhere to the field with Matt Stafford. So like, I think actually you're going to see more stuff, more versatility out of this offense, but still have a guy that is very well versed in coaching the same exact thing that has made them so good for the past four or five years. So 
I could see Cohen actually being a big reason this offense takes a step forward this year, even if it's not massive. Because I don't know how much room they have to go. Like he could be a big part of that. Maddie wanted Liam Cohen in Kansas City. It- <laughs> okay, we got we we got Matt Nagy who chased Allen Robinson to the Rams. Like, <laughs> just say, just saying. I re- remember that Maddie really wanted Liam Cohen. All right, <laughs> new addition, Maddie. Who is the new addition? on this Rams roster that you want to talk about? Liam Cohen. Um, so <laughs> I, they didn't add a ton of new guys off the top. Um, you know, I think, I, I think Ashawn Robinson, this is his first year. Was he there last year? I don't even know if he was there last Ooh, year. This is I don't remember if Ashawn right was here. there last year. I will do him. We'll just go Bobby Wagner. Um, they, I think they, there's really one guy on offensive defense. I actually think Ashawn Robinson was there last year. I think. Okay. So I'm going to go Bobby Wagner. Uh, they, it's a linebacker for this defense. They don't ask him to do a ton, really. I mean, they have pretty simplified reads. They're going to wait for the defensive lineman in front of them to kind of pick their gap because they are playing one and a half. They're going to fill afterwards. Wagner is very clearly intelligent enough to do that. I think he is their Eric Weddle of the defense, a guy that's knowing all the plays, being this kind of leader that knows that it's going to know the game of football. He's not going to make a ton of splashy plays. He's not going to be overly dynamic at this point in his career, but he's going to do everything right. I do wonder what that impact looks like as a linebacker, but if he can have even, you know, 90% of the impact that Weddle did from a leadership and IQ standpoint, then this is a huge, you know, good replacement for what they had from him in the playoffs. I mean, he was really bad in Seattle last year. Like, let's be real here. He was really bad. But once again, talk about a player that was really bad last year, going to the Rams, Allen Robinson. I mentioned it before. Like, Allen Robinson looked like he didn't care when he was playing with the Bears last year. But... You still got to see flashes every once in a while. You're like, oh, that's that dude. That's that dude that I fell in love with that I wanted the Chiefs to add still. And like, you see what he can bring. And he's not Robert Woods, you know, especially from a blocking standpoint, the things that they did with Robert Woods and the way that Cooper Cup was able to play off him. Allen Robinson isn't going to replicate that, but Allen Robinson is going to be able to win outside the numbers. He is going to be able to go up and get the ball a little bit. He is still a good route runner. Like he's he's a guy that's going to integrate well in some of those concepts that Maddie just got done talking about that Liam Cohen and Sean McVay are really going to push. You know, there's going to be so much focus on Cooper Cup and on Matthew Stafford. If Allen Robinson can be that guy that's running the backside dig and all this stuff. And Stafford can hit that. We know Stafford can hit that. Not if we know Stafford can hit that. He does it on the regular, but like he's that guy that's operating across the middle of the field can live up to what he was even two years ago. Like we're not even just talking about, you know, three, four years ago, even two years ago, all of a sudden this Rams offense is going to look like it's not missing much of a beat. Like they're still going to be there. They're still going to be a part of it. I know that Odell Beckham Jr. was a massive part of the end of the season for this team and still might be a part of this team as the, as of the time of this recording. He is a free agent still and still kind of hanging around Los Angeles. If they get to add that at the end of the year with Allen Robinson, I think that just opens him up even more. I can see him playing with a little more vigor, trying to get through this a little bit better than maybe he did in Chicago last year. Player to watch, Maddie. Who's a player to watch on this team? You want to pick one of the four? Jalen <laughs> Ramsey. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, you got to pick one of the four. I, I was actually going to, if you didn't talk about it, I was going to say Odell Beckham Jr. because I think he's going back there. I just wanted to put that as like a futures thing there. But uh, we'll, I mean, we'll do Ramsey. People are t- focused on Jalen Ramsey having a quote-unquote bad Super Bowl because they saw four bad plays, um, one of which he had his helmet almost ripped off. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them was like a completely contested catch. And like the other one, I think, was him being slightly late to turn and run deep on a play that should never have had a chance to be thrown deep. Like the last play of the game, everyone's saying that he got beat. Eh, I don't, I think that he was making a very calculated jump on a short route, given the situation. So like you add context and then you look at everything else he did in the Super Bowl. He played a great game and that's Jalen Ramsey's career. He's so good right now. He's so good. And he does so much for this team that one to four bad plays, even no matter how obvious they are that they weren't even a bad play. And it's something unlucky happened. People freak out and try to tear him down as if he's not the hands down, the best defensive back in the NFL right now. Like it's not even close. He does everything you can ask. It's just, is the literal perfect cornerback in the way the game is played right now. You want him to be a force player versus the run because you want to play too high. Done. You want him to shadow a big receiver on the outside. Done. You want to put him against a fast guy out of the slot. Done. He's going to do anything you ask, whether peeling off from zone to take on a short pass coming into his area, carrying somebody, but he does every single thing and then makes plays on the football. He's the best corner that, He's getting close to that level where he is competing with Deion Sanders to be the best cornerback that I that I have personally seen play football, and I understand it a lot better now than I did when I watched Deion, so I would lean towards Ramsey. Like, that's the air he's gotten into with the way he plays right now, and, of course, he's on the Rams with the only player that I have seen in my lifetime that would be a better player than him. <laughs> hey, you know who had a better Super Bowl than Jalen Ramsey? My player to watch. Ernest Jones, inside linebacker. I Ernest Jones had himself a hell of an end of the season for the Los Angeles Rams. This is a guy that was a third round draft pick out of South Carolina last year. We watched him in the you know for the draft guide and everything like that. I liked the little bit of flashes that I saw from him. He was one of those guys that was like, yeah, maybe a day three flyer on him. I'd be fine with it. You know, he was he was fine. You know, comes out this year and his his spacing and coverage, his knowledge of where to be, you know, to take away throwing lanes, absolutely destroyed the game plan in the Super Bowl. He was a menace. Oh, yeah. And he fit the run almost perfectly off of Aaron Donald as well. Like, he was a monster. Now, all of a sudden, he's playing next to Bobby Wagner. He's probably going to be asked to be more of the chase guy, you know, with Bobby Wagner being what he is. So, I want to see how that role changes for him. I want to see what he's going to be asked to do. Are they going to put more on his plate? Is he going to be a guy that we're going to continue to see an upward arc? Is this going to be a Dre Greenlaw situation where I'm looking at the guy in college and I'm like, yeah, he's he's got some moments and then just immediately gets into the NFL. and is like, well, holy crap. Okay, that guy is ridiculously good at all of this. That's what he reminds me of. That's the kind of arc that I see him on. And if the Rams were able to land that guy with no picks to be that level of player, man, it's just another thing that just went their way. So I'm I'm very curious to see how he ends up this season. All right, Maddie. All right. What was yeah, the we thing gotta, that I that I was supposed to remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we got we're running out of time. So we got to speed run these last okay. few. Which Chiefs player can you add to the Rams roster to make them the best? I'm going to go first because I kind of have it, and it's a guy we okay. don't get to use a ton. Uh, Trey Smith is going to play right guard mm-hmm. over Logan Bruss. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't, it's a cop out to go with interior offensive line again, especially for one of the few teams that I actually think you have multiple positions you could pick from. Like this is the Rams aren't a team that you have to pick Kelsey or an interior offensive lineman. However, Trey Smith is such a big upgrade over whatever the unknown of Logan Bruss is at this point in time. I think you put him in there, you, you know, get, you solidify that interior offensive line. That's one area where you can disrupt this kind of passing attack that McVay has that interior pressure. So I think Trey Smith's just the one that doesn't get to get jumped into a lot of these because usually it's a Toonie or a Creed because they're more consistent Mm -hmm. with right guard being the most open spot. I think he's a good pick here. I mean, obviously it's Kelsey, but I'm not going to pick him. Just not going to pick him. I'm going to pick uh, Justin Reed. Currently, they've got Nick Scott, maybe Taylor Rapp or Terrell Burgess playing in that deep safety role. You add a Justin Reed to the back end of that defense. We saw what happened when they had an upgrade as Eric Weddle coming out of retirement. We saw the evolution of that defense and how well they played. You get Justin Reed back there, a guy that's going to be able to step up, fill the alley really well, help Jalen Ramsey with some of those vertical things, allow him to gamble and make it seem like he's not out of position all the time or whatever people want to say about Jalen Ramsey. I think that Justin Reed significantly changes the way that defense can play and just makes them ludicrously better. All right, (laughs) Matty, I'm going to go first on this one. How does this team beat the Chiefs? Well... (laughs) their studs show up. I mean, that's what it is. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup wrecked the game. Like those, those four show up and play at the top of their game. It's going to be hard to stop. This is how the team is built. This is how they destroy teams. It's how they want a Super Bowl. I can easily see this team again. And now we're talking here in week 12, even if the Chiefs are clicking, even if they're playing well, even if things are going well, it could be a dogfight just with those four players taking over elements of their game. And I mean, we love the Chiefs interior offensive line. Good luck with Aaron Donald. Like just good luck. It's it's damn near impossible. So those four guys just show up, take over the game. They could win against the Chiefs. So essentially they out Chiefs the Chiefs. Their best players play better than the Chiefs best players. And yeah, they're a team that can do it. Um how they beat them. Uh I slapped Jalen Ramsey on Travis Kelsey and I mm-hmm. let him go to town and I just see what happens. I don't know if that's a necessarily a great win for the chiefs. Honestly, if I'm, if I was the Rams, that's the route I would go. Uh, so you put Jalen Ramsey on Kelsey, you dare the chiefs to be able to block Aaron Donald and everybody else. You hope that Donald does enough game wrecking to, you know, make things uncomfortable and the chiefs not score points at will offensively. I mean, do the Chiefs really have the secondary to slow down what this Rams passing attack should be? I don't think so. You kind of so like the Rams should be able to go out there and score points offensively. You slow down Travis Kelsey. You have Aaron Donald getting pressure. That gives you a fighting chance at worst right there. And they are good enough if they get the ball last to win if they don't just win outright. All right. Chiefs non-Mahomes MVP. I'm going with Chris Jones. David Edwards, Brian Allen, and Logan Bruss are currently projected to be the starters for that team. If it's not Logan Bruss, then we're looking at Bobby Evans. None of these guys is especially awe-inspiring against Chris Jones. And you want to talk about, especially on a Sunday night football game, when everybody's going to be talking about Aaron Donald, guess who wants to show up and wreck the game of his own? It's going to be Chris Jones, and he's going to have the opportunity to do it against those three guys. That's not the world's finest trio on the interior. They could really get after Matthew Stafford a little bit, 
force the Rams out of some of the stuff that they like to do, some of the deeper, longer progressing stuff, you know, the play action stuff, you know, God love him, but Chris ain't falling for that. He, he's, he's coming for the quarterback. So, I mean, like, I, I can see Chris Jones having a monster game against those three guys and really being a difference maker. Like, he could also turn the tide, get the Chiefs some more stops on the defensive side of the ball, so he would be my non-Mahomes MVP. So we're going to we're gonna take the challenge head on, whether Ramsey's on him or not, Travis Kelsey. If Kelsey can beat Ramsey, if they go that route, I mean, that's if you, if Travis Kelsey, who's one of the people that I would say is going to be, you know, the best position to handle Jalen Ramsey because he can match the physicality and he's good enough a route runner to maybe create separation. If the Rams even go that route, that's a fun matchup, but Kelsey could win that. If they don't, he's coming right at Craig's boy, Ernest Jones' throat. He's coming for him. He's coming to break his ankles. He's coming to put him in the dirt because Bobby Wagner sure isn't covering Travis Kelsey at this point in his career. And like we've kind of talked about, they don't have a lot of guys that they're, they're too high structure usually does a pretty good job defending against what, you know, Travis Kelsey's predominant routes are going to be. But I think the chiefs this year are going to have to find a way to get their best player open to get him available. And you no longer are fighting between that being Tyree killer Kelsey. Kelsey's going to get the majority of the design stuff. I think this is a week where you would have to see the chiefs really lean on that if he doesn't get that, draw that Jalen Ramsey matchup just straight up one on one. All right, before we get out of here, what's the line on this game? Matt? You got to guess. What do you, what do you I know it. Is? Oh, you know it. I'm going to say uh, this game's in Kansas City. I'm going to say the Rams are favored by a point. Mm, no, the Chiefs by two and a half. Wow, I'm a little surprised by that. Me too. I, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like the Vegas likes the Rams a little bit better than that, but that, apparently not. I like the lately. Rams better than that. Like, so this is the thing. I think the Titans one was the one that I was like, wait a second. They like it was a lot closer than I thought it would be. I think was the big thing, and I couldn't figure out why Vegas was so high on the Titans, and then to come back now and see that the Rams are like aren't even favored in this game. I was with you. I thought they would be favored. Um, so essentially you're getting close to a pick them or maybe the chiefs like slightly favored. I don't know what home field works out to anymore. I know it's changed mm-hmm. lately. Like, two, it's close to a ish. Yeah. yeah. It's close to a pick them. And like, that seems pretty high for the chiefs going up against the super bowl, the reigning super bowl champions with the way other lines have broken. This is like the first time now, all of a sudden these last two weeks after what we've done up until this point, and then all of a sudden these last two games here, the Jaguars game, then this one, I'm like, wait a second, does Vegas like all of a sudden now respect the chiefs again? Or maybe I'm just using different betting lines than Kent is, and maybe yeah, that's probably. what this is going to be. Whatever I'm getting from, respect the Chiefs a lot more, apparently. <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Casey Laboratory. We thank you all for tuning in. Go ahead and click the like, the share, the subscribe button, and go and on comment for the mustache. Get com- comment for the stash. Give a five star. Give a five star for the stash. Give give a five star on Apple spotify let's boost those ratings up those are good for us we will be back on tomorrow with some 21 questions and then on monday with casey laboratory we'll catch you for more chiefs talk then talk to you later